The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under Networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls podcast. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com, as well as B-Ball Index, Preston Ellis. And today, we're recapping the Pelicans' dominant performance against the San Antonio Spurs, 140-126, to as well as asking some poignant questions like, do the Pelicans currently have two of the best players of all time on their roster? And are their names Etwan Moore and Julius Randle? Tell me answer these questions and more. Please welcome onto the podcast editor-in-chief, the man who earned a twinkle in Drew Holiday's eye last night, Mr. Ali Cosell. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. What's up, Preston? How you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, Are you still in the car? No. I'm going to stay home just because I got to do this podcast right. <laughs> nice. Uh, next up, we've got the the Emerald, I guess, of Cooking for Dogs, who is soon opening the world's fu- first gourmet restaurant for pets, Mr. Kevin Berrios. What's up, dude? Oh, nothing much. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing, cooking for dogs. All right, and finally, contributor to Crescent City Sports, as well as our newest addition to the bird rice and creator of Grub's Grub, Mr. David Grub. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're all doing culinary things today, I guess. <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, you can follow those guys at Ali Cosell, at Kevin B for Bounce, and at DM Grub. 78 points in the paint, 58% shooting, 34 assists to only 11 turnovers on 59 made baskets, 78 points in the paint. These numbers are ridiculous. And a triple double by Julius Randle, 12 points from Frank Jackson to go along with a dominant backcourt performance by Etwan Moore and Drew Holiday, who combined for 45 13 on 19 of 29 shooting. The Pelicans also held DeMar DeRozan to 7 of 19 from the field and LaMarcus Aldridge to a ridiculous 2 of 11. Ali, what was the story of the night? Um, I'm still getting over the fact that you're really a morning person. I mean, I'm loving this. <laughs> anyway, the story of the night was the simple fact that once again, we saw a team that kind of got out of the gate slowly defensively. Like, it's become a theme, really. 
And uh, then they just tore apart the Spurs in the second half. Um, and everybody contributed. You know, I think they're finding out the rotations. I think that's my biggest takeaway from the night. When you've got Drew Holiday out there, he's, of course, going to be the lead guard with Alfred Payton down. But when he, he when he sits down, Gentry is now giving the ball to Julius Randle. And sure, sure, sure as can be, he came in for uh, Drew Holiday. The rotations worked out like that. And the, he brought up the ball the first four times. I was jotting things down because I was sitting there by myself. There's no David, no Andrew, no no Trevor, no nobody. So I, I actually did some work and jotted that. So was was productive. But yeah, the Pelicans are really figuring out their rotation. Something that Gentry harped on really over the first four weeks of the season, trying to find you know an eight nine man rotation, trying to figure out who belongs with who. But he, he's found something that works. And boy, these guys have just been a terror in second halves. And and, and we've got to touch on. Hey, we might have added just a new member to the rotation because Frank Jackson, he, he looked a little bit nervous at times, but you know what? He, he provided that spark. He provides that, that person off the bench. who can get by pretty much anybody at will. He's a scoring machine. And so if they could get him going, get him up to speed defensively and with the team concepts, I'm telling you, this is a scary team and I don't want to hear about anybody trading any of these guys away. Kevin, we do have to address the dark cloud looming over the Pelicans organization right now. Um, as Julius Randle came into the game, Anthony Davis was a bit perturbed with it. He came to Jen Hale at the conclusion of the game and he said, ask me why he subbed me out of the game. Uh, he was saying that to Julius Randle. Julius Randle then said he wanted to be defensive player of the year or something. He took a shot to the face and that's his fault. I can only do what coach tells me to do. And then in the locker room, as they're talking about Anthony Davis and Julius Randle's performance, Drew Holiday says and Ali Cosell tweeted this last night here we go the bigs are doing everything again the infighting is just contagious at this point kevin how are they going to work it out i think they're going to have a thumb wrestle competition <laughs> or a pencil crack competition we'll go back to the 90s pencil crack competition that's what they're going to have it'll work <laughs> all right well enough i'll give you a follow-up question uh all kidding aside <laughs> it's it's clear that these guys are comfortable in their own skin they're getting along great they, they say the locker room has never been better julius randall referred to these guys as quote my brothers in that same post-game uh conference with jen hale all of this to say last year you know they they were saying with rajon rondo that they were having these meetups they were texting each other late at night but it, it appears now that these guys are getting along better than ever before how is that going to translate to more victories kevin well i mean obviously we i mean if you look across pelicans twitter uh for sure you would say that you think that we have two stars because everybody is saying you know that drew holiday is putting up all-star numbers i mean he's been an all-star before even though that one sort of had a little asterisk next to it for a lot of people because of the injuries in the east but the way he's playing now clearly another star so you have two stars then you have two guys that are right below that level and the thing is with their personalities they all fit in together nobody's trying to outshine anybody else they're buying into a team system so the chemistry is really great nobody's trying to outshine anybody and the guy who maybe is the most i guess has shown the most fragility on that end is is anthony davis and now he's clearly the the lead guy the the front guy um so everything just falls in the line and then you have other quality role players like Ethan Moore and uh you know maybe Frank Jackson's going to be one um so and and Wesley Johnson he's not a you know he's not a great player but he's you know he fills his role and does what he needs to do and nobody's trying to steal shine or do something that they shouldn't be doing and it's all about um teamwork and you know 
getting the ball to Anthony Davis and taking your shots when you got them and letting Anthony Davis shine, but also everybody, you know, balanced scoring. How many games have we seen, uh, you know, multiple people scoring over 20 points this year? You know, it's a total team effort. Everything's within the flow of the offense. Um, and everybody's, you know, engaged defensively as well, even though, you know, we see lapses here and there, but you see nobody's like mailing it in. Um, so I just think there's really good chemistry right now and there's a great hierarchy that's been set and uh, the personalities work together well. David, our resident effort expert, the San Antonio Spurs got out to a 39-point first quarter and a nine-point advantage at that time. Uh, obviously, the, the Pelicans dominated in this one, but they're still they're still struggling to come out of the gate fast. What did you see from the Pelicans in the first quarter? Does it still concern you that they, they seemingly lock in and engage as the game goes along? I mean, what you see in the first quarter last night is what you've seen in the first half for most of the season is just they allow teams to get into the um, into the paint pretty easily early on, and they were giving up open threes. It wasn't just that the the Spurs were hitting them; is that they were getting good clean looks. So I think that was the you know the problem early, and those looks evaporated in the second half. You really didn't see the Spurs taking shots from the outside. Um, but in that first quarter, is just is just yeah. I don't, I don't understand the the maybe it's the rotation that group that starts the first um, quarter um, just isn't a good defensive group at, you know to start with. I don't know what it is, or maybe it's just the, the the way the team is. I mean, last year it was after the half where we had the big problems, and now it's to start the game. So I, I guess you'd rather them start slowly than finish poorly, but. Um, no matter what, you just can't get off to these starts defensively where you're giving up 30-plus points to teams that are not good offensive teams like the Spurs, teams that want to milk possessions, and yet they're still getting up at a great pace. Um, I mean, you can live with guys like Dante Cunningham. You know, last night he had the game of his life um, in a lot of <laughs> ways, and you can live with him being hotter than normal. But you don't want to give up those looks to really quality teams because once they get in a the rhythm, they're going to continue to get those shots and feel confident about them. With the Spurs, you figured the guys who were baking shots were going to cool off. But the Pelicans do have to solve that issue because that it, it's okay to beat middle-of-the-road and lower-tier teams that way. But in the playoffs, you just can't do that, especially when you go on the road. Um, and they've done that home or road so far this season. All right, Ali, it's time to address the elephant in the room, and that is about Julius Randle starting. I'm looking for the quote right now. You posted it. Uh, let's play some waiting music. Okay, here, here, Alvin Gentry says, we're probably going to start him some. And I'm writing an article about this right now. Obviously, he's got a, a delicious conundrum at this point, who to start. You've got Wesley Johnson, Alfred Payton, Etwan Moore, Julius Randle in that mix right now. But if you go through the numbers of Nikola Meritich's pairings with Anthony Davis, they're a plus 17 when on the court together. When Julius Randle's on the floor with Anthony Davis, they're just a point, uh, a plus eight. But with that being said, whenever Randle's out there, there's usually some members of the bench. Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore might not necessarily be with them. Make an argument right now as to why Julius Randle should start and who do you take off the floor? Oh, that's a tough one because I don't think I would change anything. So that, that really surprised me. That's why I mentioned that because I was surprised Alvin mentioned it to me. Um, we don't know what the reasoning is. So it's really hard to guess as to what's a better you know scenario, who should start. 
Um, is it just simply because his foot's healthier and they want to get him some more mints and maybe say Nico is ailing a little bit? Because I still think he's not 100% from when he sprained his ankle. Um, or is it simply because they always had intentions of starting Julius Randle and Anthony Davis? Kind of like a few of us called in preseason. We had wanted to see that starting lineup. So I honestly don't know, Preston. I don't know which way is even better because I don't think there's a wrong answer here at all. I know that's a cop-out answer. We've used it enough times on, on the show here, but I think it truly applies here. And I would prefer if he stays on the bench, because as I mentioned, I like the fact that Drew Holiday is the main initiator with the starting lineup. And then you've got Julius Randle to come in and provide all those minutes when Drew is taking his rest. So I don't know. I'm good. That's that's going to be my first question today in practice in about an hour and a half, because I'm very curious about the this this answer and why he said it. All right, Kevin, we'll let Ali off the hook, but we're not going to let you off the hook. We're going to start him some. Somebody has to come off the floor. Obviously, if you move Nikola Miritich to the three, that's not his strong suit on defense, chasing guys on the perimeter. They're probably going to try to switch him early and often against smaller point guards and shooting guards. Uh, you And... I mean, that that's the most likely candidate right now. I don't want to take Etwan Moore off the floor for all the obvious reasons. We saw him last uh, last night paired with the bench whenever he was put on the ball. Uh, it just didn't go very well. He's not a natural ball handler. He's not a natural creator. He's somebody who thrives off ball, much in the same way that Drew Holiday was. We'll get to Drew Holiday l- later. He obviously has been playing very well as a point guard and a facilitator. But, Kevin, back to the direct question at hand. If Randall sees the floor, who do you take off of it? Uh, I, I don't take anybody off of it. I think Alvin Gentry just got bored and was trying to get y'all to talk about something because, <laughs> I mean, really, like, Randall is a guy who can create his own offense, and Miritich isn't really. So having the fact that we don't have another quality point guard right now on the roster, um, you know, you, I don't want to see Nikos slip into the uh, second unit and not really have anybody that can create for him. And then also Randall is so good at the on the offensive glass and just uh, cleaning up messes and also setting screens to set up to make life easier for guys like Frank Jackson and Ian Clark and Darius Miller, who also, you know, are not. I mean, Frank may be a guy who can create his own shot. We haven't seen a whole lot yet. I mean, he's been promising lately, but, you know, they need some assistance and a guy like. Randall would help those guys out a lot more than a guy like Miritich would, even though Miritich would stretch the floor to create lanes. What the other things that Randall does, it's more beneficial to, to those players. So I, I don't see any reason to change that. The only thing I could see that he's looking at is the slow uh, first quarter starts defensively where you could have maybe Randall's energy um, and defensive intensity, uh, you know, change from the start instead of uh, slow rolling into, you know, everybody's more engaged defensively and more locked down defensively. That's the only reason I would see any, any reason to change it. Um, and I wouldn't do that. I would just try to figure something else out because I, I just think Randall is the perfect guy off of the bench. And that's what I've said all season, like, uh, you know, in the preseason, that's the lineup that I wanted. I wanted Randall off the bench to be a little bit more of a facilitator a defensive enforcer and a, a cleanup guy and a guy who can get his own because uh, he can create his own shot. We see him finish crazy shots like way off balance and things like that. And I just think that that's needed more when you have Anthony Davis off the floor or Drew Holiday off the floor than uh, if, when you have them on the floor together. 
It makes sense to me, but David, we we just talked about how the Pelicans sometimes struggle coming out of the gate, not just uh, defensively, but also offensively. And Nikola Meritich is somebody that they depend on greatly to get going early, and he's been slumping a bit as of late. He's just 34% from three on the season. Now, the effort, you never have to be concerned about the effort with Julius Randle. He's basically checked Diallo on steroids. He's a facilitator. He always manages to find his way into the paint with nimble footing, with power, with foot speed. Would you think it might make sense to insert him into the starting lineup and then go with whatever your principal lineup is to close the game just by way of inserting energy into that first 12 minutes? I think um, it hurts Nico the most. And, and, since he hasn't been on track, I, I don't think moving him to the bench is the, is the, the smartest thing to do. Because, um, you know, again, like Kevin was saying, he needs to be set up offensively. And I think getting him going early is a lot easier to do in the starting lineup than it is to have him come off as a reserve without a primary ball handler. Um, I think that's just been the issue for Nico is that there aren't as many opportunities for him right now to get shots in those comfortable positions that he was getting very early in the season. And, he's, uh, you know, he's had a couple of decent games. But, yeah, the slump has been about um, the last seven or eight games. And a lot of that coincides with not having that secondary um, ball handler on the floor with Alfred Payton and, and Drew Holiday at the same time to create those, those open shots for him. So um, I think if you move him to the bench and you have even less ball handling, you have guys who are not good at distributing the basketball, he, it becomes even harder for him to score. And again, with Julius, the great thing is is not putting him in the starting lineup means you don't get him in foul trouble early. And Julius can pick up fouls in bunches at times. Um, so I like that energy of his coming off the bench. Again, he does, you don't have to write up plays for him. He can create things with his dribble, but he also can just get things off the glass. And with that second unit, that becomes so important because they do miss spots with that group. Um, they're not as effective as scorers, and he can but be. I want to say something. I want to get your guys. Oh yeah, go ahead. Opinion. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. Were you done? Oh, you can go <laughs> ahead. I mean, you know, I just think that Julius fits better there as a, as a, as a reserve. I, it just to I, me, it makes more sense. And if you want to, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I'm adding any amazing. But my opinion is just, yeah, he. Sh I think he fits better, and I think it's better for Nico in the long run for for them to keep the roles that they have. I feel like Grubb was crossing the intersection and an 18-wheeler just came out of nowhere and slammed him out of the way. He hit me hard. Grubb was Tim, Tim Frazier running into a screen. <laughs> Go for it, Allie. Now, you know who Grubb was? He was Alvin Gentry because Grubb cannot wait to ask a question. Sometimes he'll blurt, start asking him before he's done. So I just gave him a little payback medicine for Alvin. <laughs> that does help him. Does I want to ask you guys this because you're making this seem like it's the worst thing in the world, which I don't like it either, but how bad is it that the Pelicans are getting off to these slow starts, but then they're like Rocky Balboa in the second halves? You know, I was looking at some numbers. They are posting the best net rating in second halves in the NBA this uh, year. And I wanted to mention this earlier, but Drew Holiday kind of touched on it last night, and I'm going to ask him today about it further, is the fact that they kind of do pride themselves on, on getting up for second halves, on basically delivering that knockout punch. I mean, we saw the Warriors the last few years, and I don't want to make that comparison to the Warriors, but I want to just mention that that's how the Warriors handled business. They would kind of feel out their opponent for the first 24 minutes and then just literally, you know, put their foot down after halftime. What would be so wrong with the Pelicans to adopt that? Because let's face it, it's very hard to maintain high intensity for 48 minutes over 82 games. I, I agree and with that. Anybody 
That I agree with that. The only thing that I would say is that if you're able to put somebody down early, then you're able to play less minutes and rest guys more, especially when you're playing pace. But I mean, like you said, I understand that argument as well. You know, feel them out, be a little bit lax, and then turn it on is also fine. But um, you know, if you stomp them out early, if you if the fourth quarter doesn't matter anymore, then you know you can rest guys and get other guys reps, and those things I think are more long term beneficial. And and my thought was, like I said earlier, is I think you can get away with that with, you know, the second tier and the lower tier teams in the league. But I don't think you can go on the road against really good teams and give the, give away a half of basketball. I, I just don't think you can do that on a consistent basis to say, well, we know we can come back in the second. We turn it on in the second. Yeah, you're going to make adjustments and you should play better in the second half after you've made your adjustments. But I don't think you want to go into a game saying, the first half is going to be the lesser of our halves. And I'm not saying that's their attitude, but if you, if you give it, then, you know, that, that, that it's easy to forgive when you win that way. But when you lose that way, you can't, there's no excuse. Cause you're, you, if you're saying our philosophy is that we focus on the second half, then I, I think you just, I, I think you're setting yourself up to have bad first half. Yeah, I guess I'll chime in here. Uh, my my only issue with it, I, I love the way that they attack in the second half, and obviously in the second quarter they've been exploding as well. Offensively, uh, they seem a, jugg- a juggernaut that can't be stopped, which is why it becomes all the more befuddling that they do come out of the gates a bit slower, a bit less engaged. And at this point, Anthony Davis is still uh, around 38 minutes per game. Um, Drew Holiday's at 36 minutes per game. And we saw just what the Pelicans can do when they execute at their full, at the, the might of their fullest powers is that with five minutes left to go in this game, up by 20, or, or 552, I should say specifically, Anthony Davis is seemingly just in the game to get a couple more points. If you just put that effort into the first quarter, maybe these guys are sitting the entire fourth period and we're getting more run from Frank Jackson, Check Diallo. Obviously, this is an embarrassment of riches, and that's probably something not that Alvin Gentry would institute anyway because in an NBA game, no lead is ever too safe. But I am saying that rather than putting all this effort into the fourth quarter, why not just get it out of the way early and give these guys a break, get some of those numbers down, get some of the run out of your bench. Obviously, the bench the bench had a, an incredible performance last night, and we want to continue to build upon that. We saw what Frank Jackson could do in his limited time, 12 points, and I don't know where it was, uh, somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes, but just to get him the opportunity at those shots. You can see him just calm down as the game comes to him. Like Ali said, from the initial um I don't know, gunsh- that's that's what it felt like. It felt like he was shot out of a cannon into the game every single time. You can just see he's all over the place. He had one turnover to Check Diallo when he was racing down the court. Check Diallo is right alongside him calling for the ball. And Frank is just a little late or a little early, based on your perspective, on giving the ball to him. Check's not expecting it. And that's just that's just nerves. That's 100% nerves. And it's something that will begin to dissipate as he gets more time on the floor. But to get more time on the floor, the Pelicans need to put him in position to get some of those run to get some of those mistakes out of the way early but we're we're arguing around ourselves at 140 points uh it's hard to argue that they could have scored any more than that but i guess that's where we sit right now yeah I mean, yeah you're absolutely right. <laughs> go for it grab or we'll go, go ahead, ahead. yeah I, I mean i think if you want to be a championship team yeah um, those are the things that you you start you know picking the nits on is just saying you know yeah, where are the levels that you get to to be at at, at that peak? And so, yeah, scoring 140 points is fantastic. But you should be always pushing yourself to find 
where are those areas where you can get better? You, you want to be merciless as a team. You want to say that we want to destroy people for 48 minutes. And that's where we want to get as a, as a fan base in, ex, in our expectations is that when you see the highest level of play out of your team, you want to expect it all the time. And it's like, it's no different than being a parent when your kid brings home an A on a test. And you say, well, why can't you do this all the time? So, yeah, that's what you want to see out of the Pelicans is the play, you know, not 48 perfect minutes, but you, you just don't want to see those mental lapses. And that's the thing. It's not that you're not going to have stretches of games where you don't play well. It's just the mental part of it. Why are you not rotating? Why are you not giving the full effort? Why are you not getting to, um, you know, defending the, the where you're supposed to be? You eliminate those, and you can live with if they get outscored in a quarter or two. But it's, it's those times when you know that they are not making the best decision. And I think a lot of that comes for the reserves. Like you said, for guys like Frank Jackson, they have to play meaningful minutes to learn. And if they're only getting minutes in blowout situations, it, it's just not as, as beneficial, I think, in the long run. Because at some point, you're going to need Frank Jackson. You're not just going to have to have him as a luxury. You're going to need his minutes. And I think you're right that they, they have to just start applying this, this throughout the game and find that rhythm to where you're not jacking yourself up to get your energy to a new level. You want to play at a consistent level. All right, let's go ahead and move on because we've only got 15 minutes left. There is an article in the Bird Rights right now written, I think, by Ali. New Orleans Pelicans must improve upon first-half uh, first defensive efforts to reach maximum potential. Um, I'm looking up to find the author of that right now. No, that's Trevor Ritchie. Trevor Ritchie. Thanks, man. Uh, great article. Let's go ahead and get to our uh, questions. This one's from Brit Benoit. I'll give it to Ali. Why have Diallo's minutes gone down after a pretty solid start? It seems like Gentry has a habit of taking the young guys out of their flow when they are starting to get momentum. Uh, I think this one's easy. There's just no minutes available for check at the three or I'm, excuse me, at the four or the five. Um, you know, the way it is, Anthony Davis is always going to get at least around 36. And uh, then, of course, the scraps are for Nicola and Randall, who last night, you know, they neither one even got to 30 minutes. And Diallo only played nine minutes. So it's just really a numbers game at this point. Um, I think Diallo uh, has definitely uh, exceeded expectations. And I can tell that the coaching staff is pleased. Gentry's mentioned and talked about him several times. Uh, so the growth is there, but Alvin's just using him either for a change of pace when the team is not playing well, or unfortunately it's coming more a little bit <clears throat> during garbage time minutes, because again, the, the minutes aren't there. So the Pelicans are just trying to build on their, their main product right now. And that's the core guys getting to play well and building them up and getting them ready for the playoff run. So unfortunately Diallo just doesn't, he, he's just not getting able to squeeze into that rotation. Not unless Nico can somehow figure out a way to get some minutes at the three. But if not, then, yeah, this is just the way it's going to be. All right. This question is one I want to pose to everyone. I'm going to start with Kevin. It says, how is Drew doing such a good job as a facilitator, uh, second in the association and assist per game? And is him returning to the one a long-term option? And I'm going to add on to this one, Kevin. Obviously, that would institute Alfred Payton coming off the bench. How would you feel with a lineup of, let's just say, Drew Holiday, Etuan Moore, Wesley Johnson, Nikola Meritich, and Anthony Davis with Alfred Payton coming off the bench? I mean, I think... First off, to answer your question with a lineup, I mean, that's the lineup we're seeing right now, and it's working fine. Um, so if they decide they want to roll with that, then sure, no problem. I, I think Alfred would be better suited in the starting lineup um, just because he will help everybody else 
out and, uh, you know, having Miritich on the floor with uh, Peyton is a very good thing. Whereas putting Miritich and Randall together a lot isn't that great because of the shooting problems that you have. Um, but, you know, I'd be down for experimenting with it. But also, like we talked about on the last pod, whereas, you know, I think it's an easier sell to Etwan to put him on the bench and let him be that Lou Williams kind of guy than to take a guy like Alfred Payton who struggled basically his whole career and finally found a, a spot where he was clicking and fitting in and playing very well. Um, and then now to say, okay, now you're on the bench. And, you know, that might hurt his psyche a little bit. Um, we'd have to see. Um, and also, I mean, we can't forget how great this team looked with Alfred Payton as the lead guard. I mean, we looked incredible. Um, so don't forget that. It's easy to forget that when he's been gone and we've also gone back on another winning streak. Um, but in terms of Drew Holiday, I mean, we can't pretend that he hasn't been a point guard for most of his career. I mean, he's been on the ball most of his career. Sure, he's been great since he moved off the ball. But I think it was more he needed that just a shift in mentality to know that it's okay to be aggressive in attack. Um, and I think he's finding a good balance of that now. Uh, he's, you know, he's getting to the hoop. He's uh, driving a lot. I think he, I, I forgot, like, Kumar posted the stats on his drives in the paint um, recently. I forgot what they were. But, I mean, the eye test said he was driving like crazy, and then it was backed up by whatever uh, stat Kumar had put. I don't remember exactly what it was, but his his drives to the paint have been great. Um, one thing that I've noticed about him lately is that he's been really creative uh, passing-wise. Now, sometimes the passes are, are not on target or they're a little bit too... Uh, um, they're too much of a gamble, but the way he's passing is just like been super creative and he's, he's, uh, you know, he's throwing these weird passes that we never used to see from him before. Um, and that's really fun to watch, even if they are off target sometimes or are bad decisions. Um, but I think that's like a, you know, a growth thing and, you know, I'm fine. I always liked him on the ball. I, you know, initially when we got Rondo, I didn't necessarily agree with taking him off the ball. It proved to be a, a good thing because it sort of unlocked this other aggressiveness to his game that he he sort of got away from. If you go back early on in his career, you see he had that, um, but it sort of drifted from him um, due to injuries and I think trying to fit in and trying to get um, Anthony Davis going. But now he knows that he is a guy that is relied upon to score and get to the rim and to create offense for himself as well as for others. So um, I think it's great. I think we need another ball handler, whether that's Alfred Payton or, or holiday um, or another guy to come in also, um, you know, having extra ball players, uh, ball handlers, especially on that second unit, it's very crucial. So however they make that work, I think it's going to be fine. But I mean, don't pretend that holiday hasn't been, I mean, he was an all-star point guard at one point in his career already. So let's not pretend that he can't play on the ball or that this is totally shocking. Grub, uh, another reason that I, I wanted to bring up the starting lineup and the slow starts, Wesley Johnson has been a negative four in a, per 100 possessions. Uh, Darius Miller, on the other hand, offensively, we know his shortcomings, but defensively, the team is eight points better per 100 possessions. Here are some of the numbers in his five-man lineups. With Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, Darius Miller, Nikola Meritich, and Etwan Moore, the team is 28 <laughs> points better per 100 possessions. This is obviously a small sample size. 
Uh, and then with Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, Darius Miller, Etwan Moore, and Julius Randle, the team is 49 points better per 100 possessions. That's obviously in only 27 minutes of time. Would you see a scenario where Darius Miller starts over Wesley Johnson? No, I think Wesley's numbers are are just, you know, they're, they're hurt because of the slow starts for the team in general. But you look at Wesley's play, and he's played extremely solid defense. Um, I think he's on the wing. He's He's been, a, a you know, a very consistent defender. He's been able to block shots. He's been able to defend in the post. He's defended well on the perimeter. Um, so, you know, I don't think his numbers reflect the, the uh, play that he has. Um, and, and I just don't think Darius fits in as a starter because of his mindset. Um, you know, last night he was more aggressive than normal. He took a couple of shots in the, you know, in the paint and one in the mid range. And I was, you know, that was good, to, good to see, but on a night to night basis, I think you just, the mentality of Wesley Johnson as a veteran, a guy who's uh, confident in his place in the league at this point, um, he's going to come out and he knows his role. He's going to be aggressive. Shots come towards him. And I, th- I just think he's a more dogged defender right now. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see Darius as a starter. I think it, his role as a bench player is, is the one that he's best suited for. All right, let's go ahead and move on. We've just got a couple of minutes left, and we've got a lot of questions. Uh, this is from Hot Pelicans Takes. He says, with the team playing really well when relatively healthy, would it be better to get an average-level wing or a role player over a big-name star? I think I know what you're going to say, Ali, but what do you hope the Pelicans do to add to their current rotation? I still want to see a point guard. We need somebody just in case of, as we see right now, Alfred Payton being out. I think the best version of these Pelicans are when we've got a high, fast-paced guard who can push uh, the tempo to extreme levels, just like we have in the past with Rondo, and we've seen in limited glimpses with Alfred. Um, The Pelicans are not getting those easy points, and I think that is vital to uh, basically separating themselves from the rest of the league in terms of how they play uh, and, and what makes them really, really fantastic on the court. Uh, yes, we have Anthony Davis. We've got Drew Holiday. We've got Julius Randle, Nico. We've got these great, fine, whatever you want to call it, offensive weapons. But yet, when you can add, say, 15 to 20 easy points in a game simply by running up the court and beating the defense, you know, that, that becomes world beater status. You know, that makes the Pelicans an elite team. So I want to see a point guard on the roster uh, as, as just a backup, you know, because we've got Tim Frazier, but he, he, he simply can't do these things that we require him to do. So, like I said, Alfred Payton has been wonderful when he's played, but unfortunately the injury bug seemingly is striking him. His name got pulled out of the hat. So I think that's where the Pelicans, that's where Del Demps needs to look. I mean, getting another small forward would be great, and we've always wanted to see it, but I don't know why you need to disturb this chemistry. You've got five guys averaging 15 points a game or more. I mean, offense is not the problem, and you know defense isn't even that bad. So you got to just find, you know, the little problems – on the roster, which I think at the top of the list is point guard. So, yeah, that, that's where I would look. Get a backup point guard that can push the pace. All right, Kevin, I'm going to give you this question, and then I'm going to go over to Grub so you have some time to think about it. This one's from Finn. He says, what's the package we send if we want Sadoransky? So I'm going to give you a second to marinate on that. Grub, this is from Kyle Theobald. He says, would we want uh, – sorry, let me rephrase this. Uh, basically, would you prefer Bradley Beal or Otto Porter if you had to choose one? I mean, if you choose one, give me Bradley Beal. His contract is better. His ceiling is higher. 
and his talent level is just I mean his production and his talent are better. So yeah, out of if the choice between Beal and Porter, give me Beal all day. All right, Kevin, you ready? Sure. Um, I would start at you know trying to see if I could get Ian Clark in two seconds for him. Um, if not, I would go as high as a protected first and whatever other salary I need, but I wouldn't trade, you know, it would have to be like Ian Clark, Tim Frazier, uh, maybe Darius Miller um, in there. I, I think actually as much as I love Sadoransky, I think I, right now my number one target would be Dinwiddie. I just think defensively he would yeah. fit perfectly. And I think, um, you know, going back to what Ollie said, I do agree that point guard is the way to go. And I especially would like a large point guard, like Dinwiddie 6'6", Sadoransky 6'7", guys that allow you to play three guard lineups where you can have your best players on the court, where you have Etuan Moore, um, Drew Holiday, and whatever one of those two guys you get. Um, And both of them are adept at running uh, fast-paced offenses. Uh, Sadoransky's a much better shooter than Dinwiddie, although Dinwiddie's having a great year from three. Um, but Dinwiddie can create, um, and I just think it gives you a lot of options. And I agree, like we have two stars, we have two guys that are on the verge of right, like right underneath being star level players. Then you have Etwan Moore, so you don't need to deplete that to get another high usage guy like a Bradley Beal. Um, you know, you just want to get another guy that fits into the system fits into creating a flow of offense and uh, makes the, makes the um, rotations better. You know, you have a deeper rotation um, where you're not relying on Ian Clark or Tim Frazier to play minutes. And you just have really quality players all the time on the court with, you know, staggered amongst four basically stars. All right. Uh, we've got one question left, and I'm so sorry, but we're running out of time. This is from DLQGW. He said, would be cool for you all to discuss some potential trade ideas and or address the Ringer article about Pelican's trades, uh, trade possibilities. Thanks. I'm so sorry. We'll definitely address this one on a future episode. Uh, obviously, some of the names you just heard are guys we'd be interested in, uh, principally point guard Mios Teodosic, uh, Patrick Beverly, potentially. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Thomas Sadoransky, uh, Jeremy Lin, uh, you can throw them into there. And then as far as wing depth, uh, just somebody like a Tobias Harris would be the biggest name I could think of. But other than that, you're just looking for somebody who's making somewhere under $15 million a year, because really all you have to trade is Solomon Hill, Wes Johnson, maybe Czech Diallo, Darius Miller, Ian Clark, um, Tim Frazier. You don't want to trade any of your six principal pieces at this point. So really you only have between... 12 and 22 million dollars to work with and you don't want a big spending guy because you do have to re-sign Nikola Meritich you do have to re-sign Alfred Payton you do have to re-sign Julius Randle and then Anthony Davis contract is going to come into effect in a year or two you'd have to think once he's making somewhere around 40 million a year so you don't want to necessarily take a big swing you want somebody around that 10 million threshold like a Terrence Ross uh, like a Trevor Ariza somebody who's expiring so we'll we'll go into bigger depth on that on a future pod for now I have to let you guys go um, thank you to Ali Cosell follow him at Ali Cosell follow David at DM Grub follow Kevin at Kevin B for bounce Ali a lot of stuff on the birdrights.com anything specifically you want to plug I uh, know but just please check it out now because you already alluded to it but both Trevor and Travis posted two great articles yesterday. Travis with the Drew Holiday being basically a beast, something we know, but it's a great, well-written piece, an angle that you guys haven't read yet. And of course, Trevor's piece on what's the Pelicans' biggest problem, and that's first half defense. All right, Kevin, keep this one quick. Anything you're working on right now? Uh, 
I'm gonna write some more about um, point guards that we could target soon. So like probably the next couple of days. Sweet, David. What about you? Um, I'm working on just uh, looking at the front line and where it stacks up with other great front lines in the league right now and just and historically. All right, great stuff. Uh, my name is Preston Else. You can follow me at Preston Else. If you have any questions, if you want a podcast, direct those questions to me, and I'll institute them on the next podcast. Not sure what that will be offhand, but I'll I'll tweet that out a little bit later. Again, thank everyone so much for listening. Be sure to retweet. Be sure to rate us on iTunes. We're also available on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. You can find us anywhere. Do us a favor. Share the podcast. Tell your friends about us. We really appreciate all your help, and be sure to go to thebirdrights.com right now because we've got great content and we want to continue to pedal it out there also be sure to check out crescent city sports for now hopefully we can keep this uh this streak going we're about to see joel and bead ben simmons and jimmy butler so that should be another exciting contest and we'll keep you guys in the loop until then for now let's go pals thank you for listening to the bird calls on the off the glass nothing but net and up and under podcast networks if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So, about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here and it's totally cool. Can we call back when you get a chance? The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So, about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here and it's totally cool. Can we call back when you get a chance? The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.